The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Video games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the wine and cheese of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who makes the time for the cheese and definitely the wine. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Speaking of wine, yes, I'm doing well, but... I come to the realization that my recovery time is getting much worse in my old age. <laughs> that is <laughs> one of the downfalls of aging, significantly. <laughs> we celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary on Saturday. Congratulations, and if you are part of the PSVG Discord, you could have caught some scandalous pictures. <laughs> you certainly could have. Uh, so we went to Cape Cod and... We really tied one on, <laughs> being away from the kid, uh, uh, who we love dearly. Uh, <laughs> but being able to do things we did when we were dating was very nice, and we really just went for it Saturday. So <laughs> I spent all day Sunday recovering, um, and, and most of today. <laughs> so, you know, you were feeling a little bit under the weather last week. Were you feeling oh, better yeah. by the time you went? No, in fact, my I got my wife sick. She is sick today, but nice work. You kind of have that's our anniversary. You can't like, I can't not be affectionate to my wife on my anniversary. I carefully well, chose affectionate. <laughs> that's a good use of words. Well, our family friendly show, so we'll leave it there. That's right. Um, but Cape Cod, that sounds like a place fancy people go. <laughs> oh well, we are not fancy, <laughs> but yes. Uh, no, the keep is great. And it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be fancy to go there. Uh, if you want to go to like Nantucket or mm-hmm. Provincetown though, yeah, that's definitely the fancy part of the Cape. Gotcha. No, we spent our day bowling and, and eating sushi at night. And Oh, sushi is so good. Yeah. It was a very expensive day, <laughs> but it was nice. I bought a bunch of spices for making a new rub. I didn't. I learned that they make. Um, not only do they make spicy sugar, mm-hmm. but also salt. I did not yes. know that. So I got scorpion pepper salt and mm. mango habanero sugar. Okay, that sounds very cool. The mango habanero sugar, especially, is intriguing. Yeah, and um, um, pink peppercorns. Okay, they that I've made, definitely been down with. Like berry peppercorns or something. Yeah, like I that. think so. Uh, so you said it was an expensive trip, you know, you're oh, talking yeah. about sushi and all those good things. What is the fanciest restaurant you've ever eaten at? Oh, what a question. The fanciest restaurant I've ever eaten at. There was a place we went in the Finger Lakes in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called Slate, I believe. Okay. And it was... 
It was like one of those places I paid $35 for a six ounce steak. And that's okay. all that came with the meal. There wasn't any sides. It was just <laughs> okay. a little tiny petite steak. Okay. Um, it was very good. Um, everyone's food was very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the fanciest place. It was very like, when you think of like Los Angeles food places. Okay. With like the tiny portions and like the expensive uh, price tags. That is probably the place I would like equivalent that to. Okay. What about, what about you? So the fanciest place I have ever eaten at uh, was a place called Charleston in Baltimore. I went there for a conference, and um, my coworker and I decided before we were going to go, we're like, you know, we don't have restaurants like this in Iowa, so we're gonna get we're gonna go out one night. And we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a nice dinner somewhere. So we made reservations, and this place is called against the Charleston or Charleston in Baltimore. Uh, it's one of those, it is a, um, they they do a sampler. So you yeah. basically, you know, get whether you choose, whether you're getting four courses, five courses, whatever you're getting. And then from the menu, you pick, you know, however many courses you're having um, from their tasting menu, I should call it properly here. Uh, and then they do a wine pairing. So depending, if you want to, so depending on what you're doing, um, you can get your wine pairing. And I think I had a uh a drink before the meal and then i got wine with my four course meal and i think between the two of us <laughs> our bill was pushing 500 bucks oh my god yeah i think it was like a almost it was about 200 dollars for just my meal with the wine pairing but i That's will say <laughs> it was the best meal i've had in my entire life and I'm really glad I don't live in places that have things like that because I'd want to go all the time and I definitely cannot afford it. It was a cool, like, one-time experience. And maybe if I had win the lottery someday, that's the thing I would do more often. But, yeah, if you can afford it, um, Charleston and Baltimore, totally recommended. It was very good. Uh, it was an expensive meal, though. That is for sure. But it was fun. It was a cool thing to do. Um, it was a little... I did it with a coworker, so that was... <laughs> the not very romantic <laughs> no not very romantic at all but we had a lot of fun it was a good time we had a great time it was fun uh but yeah it was charleston and baltimore so that was the best and most fanciest meal i've ever had it was one of those places where you know my coworker's a female and when they she went to go sit down they put like a pillow like behind her between her and the booth so she'd have like lumbar it, i mean it was yeah it was top notch they oh, had man. sommeliers and all that good stuff i was like man this is fancy this is not what you usually eat in Iowa. That is for sure. So, anyway. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Hey, should we get on with the show? You sure, why not? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> hey, some housekeeping things a little different than usual. Just some important announcements this time. Uh, number one, we're going to be changing the day our podcast releases, Josh. Yeah, sorry about that, listeners. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's exciting news. So, there's really exciting things happening. So, starting next week... Uh, Board with Video Games is going to start releasing on Tuesdays instead of Thursdays. So this week's episode coming out on Thursdays, on Thursday as usual. Starting next week, our podcast will release on Tuesdays. Uh, and we'll actually be recording Sunday nights instead of the usual Tuesday nights like we do now. This is a little bit because of work schedules. Just with Josh's schedule and my schedule, it's getting harder and harder for us to find time during the week. But PSVG is also relaunching... PSXP, the PlayStation podcast, 
And by the re- with the relaunch of that, you know, the folks at PSVG decided to re-look at the release lineup a little bit. Uh, and Big Daddy Donnie, along with Kevin and some others, we decided to make some changes to the release dates. So, again, starting next week, uh, Board of Video Games will be coming with- to you on a Tuesday. Seems like good news, right, Josh? Uh, yeah, it's good for us not to have to be up till 11, 12, 1, 2 a.m., whoever time. Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully yes. that's good. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, no change in length of podcast, anything like that. Uh, I, de- I think the only thing that might slightly be at our negative is big news seems to happen on Mondays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that'll be the little thing for our news shows is we'll probably miss the biggest of the big news stories. But that's okay. Our news stories, we tend to take a little bit of a different turn anyway. Uh, Other big announcement is the next Patreon-exclusive episode of Board With Everything will be releasing very, very soon. In fact, by the time you're hearing this podcast, it is definitely recorded, and it might be out. If not, it'll be out in the next day or so. So if you want to get in on that, we encourage you to check out PSVG's Patreon page at patreon.com slash PSVG. And any contribution level there, and you can get bored with everything. And finally, as always, just a quick shout out to the Dice Tower Podcast Network, which we are a proud member of. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So, enough of the housekeeping. Josh, what has been some of the big news in the tabletop world? Well, this is, you know, I would argue this is pretty big news. So we have a new Codenames game coming out. Yeah, The question I want to ask you, this is um, also with the OP games, and I don't believe that they were involved in the previous Codenames. That was um, CGE, right? I believe that is correct, yes. So this is a new team-up of sorts, so... Um, Codenames is partnering with the OP Games to bring the Simpsons Family Edition. Uh, And this is essentially Codenames Pictures. If you play like the Disney one or Pictures itself, um, you're not just looking at words, you're looking at pictures. Uh, There have been so many episodes of The Simpsons, I imagine that they had unlimited potential for what they could include in this game for cards. Um, So... What do you think? Are you excited for the Simpsons code names, or maybe is that just really not your thing? I don't know that I could do a good job at the Simpsons code names. I think this is a cool version to have, and definitely, like you said, I think they have a lot uh, of history and opportunities to pull from things to make this game great. But I feel, you know, I haven't watched the Simpsons with any regularity since I was in college, which was far longer ago than i'd like to admit so i'm not certain this is a game that would go well for me and it's interesting because when i think of the simpsons i have fond memories but the idea of watching the simpsons simpsons today never occurs to me yeah i kind of feel the same way i haven't watched the simpsons since the simpsons movie came out oh i did see that and that's gonna be pushing over 10 years at this point yeah so uh, it's probably like 2004, five maybe. Um, so yeah, it's been a while. Um, I also have fond memories of The Simpsons, 
but I have not watched an episode in... Well, actually, the last episode I watched was when they did the Family Guy crossover. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's technically the last time I watched The Simpsons. I think either way, uh, this is great for Codenames. Uh, it is. Get some more licensing out there. Uh, it's releasing uh, during the 2019 holiday season, so you know any day now, really. So, uh, yeah, good for them. I think that's great. And that just is going to lead to more Codenames games, which I'm so- a fan of. Yeah, so do you think that all code names is now going to be done by the OP, or do you think this is a kind of a one-off deal? The OP might have the Simpsons board game license, and that might oh. be why that's happening. Okay. Um, but I'm tempted to check my copy of... So I'm looking at my code names boxes right now. Mm-hmm. They all say CGE except for Disney. So I'm going to guess the Disney one might be the, also the OP. Interesting. Interesting. I'll check when you when we're. Uh, I'll check at some point. And no, that's fine. Because <laughs> uh, I'm curious. Okay, so the next story, we have the best-selling video game of all time. Is that real? <laughs> I believe that's accurate. Uh, is now becoming a board game, uh, and that board game, which actually doesn't look that bad, uh, by Ravensburger, is Minecraft Builders and Biomes. For ages ten to ninety nine, two to four players, thirty to sixty minutes, so sixty to one hundred twenty minutes uh, for your first few games. Um, basically, you're gonna compete to gain the most points uh, by the end of the game by mining rare cubes, fighting dangerous mobs, and building structures as you explore the overworld, uh, collecting weapons and resources mined from a block of sixty four cubes. Uh, will aid players in ensuring a victory. This is from DicetowerNews.com. You can pre-order the game now. There's not much more detail on the game. Uh, what I can tell you is it ships the week of November 15th, and it will be mm-hmm. $40. Um, but by looking at the components, uh, it looks pretty cool. You actually have actual blocks um, it has ter- there's terrain pieces, um, and it's all you know that eight bit blocky art. But right, I, I think it looks pretty cool. I mean, I don't think I'm gonna get it just because I'm not into Minecraft. But uh, right. what about you? What do you think about this one? I do think that cube of sixty four blocks is kind of neat that you build and kind of mine out of to get resources. That's pretty cool. I'm partially surprised this is a competitive game because not that I've played a ton of Minecraft in my day, but I owned it on multiple systems and played a lot of co-op Minecraft. So when I think of Minecraft, I think of cooperation. I don't think of competitive. Uh, So me, I'm just kind of a little surprised by that, but I guess maybe it'd be hard to create a co-op game when you're playing a game that theoretically has no stated goal or outcome. Now right. you suddenly have to have one. So I could see that, I suppose, a little bit. But I think the downfall to this, I have never been a fan of the Minecraft aesthetic. I know some people like it, and that's totally fine. I have never enjoyed it. And as a result, since the game looks exactly like Minecraft, I don't like the way this game looks at all. Okay, It's totally true to how it should look. I'm not saying it is bad on its face. It is just not an art direction and style that works for me. So if you like Minecraft, great. 
I've never really been a fan of the way Minecraft looks. It just doesn't do it for me. Uh, and that makes it really hard, even at $40, for me to think about spending money on it. That's fair. You are entitled to your gaming opinions. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Peter McPherson, uh, previous guest of the show, creator of Tiny Towns. Mm-hmm. He's teaming up with Josh Wolf, who designed Cat Lady, which is a very good game. Uh, even if you're turned off by the name, it's actually very fun. I would recommend it. Uh, and they designed the expansion to Tiny Towns. It's called Tiny Towns Fortune. Uh, and as the title might lead you to believe, it is including or adding into the base game money. So um, I'm curious to see how that will affect how the game plays uh, on its own. Uh, there'll also be new building cards, some more monument cards. Uh, it's it's labeled as one to six players. Again, I believe it will probably still work like the regular Tiny Towns where you can add. Mm-hmm. Me being old and yawning, uh, multiple copies of the games to make that bigger. There's also a new artist, um, Stephanie Gustafsson, who did Aeon's End, uh, uh, War Eternal, and Coup. Uh, so the art, at least on the face of the box, looks a little different from the game, the base game. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure how that will work in, but it kind of almost looks like it's trying to capture some um, Everdell spirit in it. Maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe just squirrels have become <laughs> synonymous with Everdell for me now. That could be, yeah. Who Cute knows? animal creatures now <laughs> equal Everdell. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested in checking it out. Uh, we still have to pick up Tiny Towns. Uh, every time we look at it, my wife says... Don't we have this? I'm like, no, we still don't have it. We should have it, but we haven't. We still haven't picked it up yet. Uh, uh, Oh, sorry. I should say this is coming out in probably, they're saying guesstimating February 2020. Mm -hmm. Is any interest to you at all? Have you picked up Tiny Towns yet? And or have you played it? I haven't picked up Tiny Towns yet. I definitely want to pick up Tiny Towns. Uh, So I don't know if I'm interested in the expansion as a result, but it is a little odd, like you mentioned, that it's a different artist. And maybe that happens all the time, but the art on the box definitely looks different than the art on the regular version of the game or the base version of the game. And maybe it won't matter at all. I know Tiny Towns is much more about the pieces and what you're building on your board and the bits that you have there. But I wonder if this happens a lot where they have different artists for expansions. I guess I don't know and I've never really paid that much attention. I can't imagine it's common because people like um, symmetry in their games. So like they like right. to see the same art across. But I mean, it, it's still business. So if you can't negotiate with the artist, you need to find someone else. You still and have to not, make it. Right. And it's not like it looks bad. I'm not saying that at all. I think the art looks very nice. I just, yeah. It's just odd that it's a different artist. Yep. Just different. I get it. Um, well, speaking of art and games, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, potential internet breaking news <laughs> dropped early last week. Uh, Stonemaier Games, uh, finally, I guess you could say, announced their first expansion to Wingspan, European Expansion, uh, which has a nice snowy owl on the cover, which is very impressive looking. Uh, it seems to add a new tray to the game. Based mm-hmm. on the first looks, purple eggs. Uh, the food, I believe, is still the same, but I'm just basing it off of what they show that it comes with. There seems to be another new tray 
uh, in the game as well. Um, but we're looking at still designed by Elizabeth Hargrave. Yep. Um, still art by uh, the same people, which is um, Anna Maria Martinez, uh, Jaramillo. I probably said that way wrong. Um, Natalia Rojas and Beth Sobel, who I'm such a big fan of. Um, there's going to be a, a bunch of new abilities, uh, including round-end abilities, more player interaction, and birds that uh, benefit from excess resources, which is pretty cool. Um, the plan for this expansion, uh, as well as, as future ones, is just to, to shuffle those cards into your bird deck. You know, right? It's not going to be played. I know some like expansions require you to separate cards from like or, or do special things, but it sounds like you're just adding in cards to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, this is from Dice Tower News. Um, they also mentioned that Stomeyer has announced that future copies of Wingspan will include a Swift Start promo pack, but you can also buy that separately, um, as well as you can buy neoprene player mats, Yep, which are only five bucks a piece, which is a pretty good price. That is a really good price, it seems like. Yeah. So I think when they release pre-orders, uh, which... Uh, is November 6th. I think not only will I be pre-ordering this, but I'll be getting four to six player mats and the promo pack. And uh, because we have the first version, I'll right. get the updated um, cards as well. Right. What do you think? Is this a must buy for you? Is this a maybe buy for you? This is a probably buy for me. I will say I think Spliggs calling it a wingspansion yeah. <laughs> is pretty great, and I think that that should be used in the future to describe this game as a wingspansion. But yeah, it looks great. The art still looks great. Everything about this game, production value, everything is pretty wonderful. And it seems like it's going to come in at a pretty solid price. 25 so, bucks, I think. Yeah, I think that's what they said. So definitely in there for me. I haven't played Wingspan yet. Uh, which we'll talk uh. about more later <laughs> as our backlog stuff. But it is definitely on the two playlist before the end of the year. So, Gotcha. Okay, we have... You're going to have to explain this one to me because I don't know what this is. What is Rococo? <laughs> so Rococo uh, is a game. That is a very popular, is a pretty heavy uh, area control bag building, if I recall, game. It came out back in 2013, I want to say. Mm-hmm. 2013, uh, yep. And I don't believe really ever came back in print since then. I think it pretty much uh, has been out of print um, but it's kind of an economic area majority influence game. I personally have never played it. Okay. I have seen the game and I have seen people pl- attempt to play it. And I've always been very interested in it because the board is pretty complex. There's a lot going on with it. The pieces, though, have always been pretty understated. But it's just one of those kind of uniqueish games that, you know, has always been a little bit of a more popular game. I think it's in the top 200-ish on Board Game Geek, but just hasn't been around in a long time. And we start are starting to see more and more of these games come back, but not just as their normal games, as these souped-up fancy deluxe editions. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, you hit the nail on the head as far as it's coming back. You'll be, you will be able to play it. We will be able to play it. 
Um, that's going to hit Kickstarter in March. And it's a deck builder slash area control game, uh, which when I tell you what you do in the game, that might surprise you by the definition of what kind of game it is. Right. Uh, <laughs> you're, um, you're trying to um, build dresses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting to me. Uh, I didn't know it was so widely regarded. Um, I do like Eagle, Eagle Griffin Games, who is the publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to see more about it. Uh, I'll be honest with you, though, I haven't I haven't really looked at the old version uh, of the game, but just another game that's trying to... Uh, I don't want to make it sound like a bad thing, but it's another game that's trying to capitalize on what I think Restoration Games has perfected, and yep. that is bringing back... Uh, nostalgia, uh, even though this is only 2013, so it's not like we're bringing back a game from 1981. Right. But still. And I think this thing is cool because it's such a cool theme compared to it's definitely training unique. in the Mediterranean or zombies or anything like that. It's a neat theme. You're making clothing. That's yeah. cool. There's something, and you have a ball. Like, there's something neat about that. Imagine if our video, if we had a video game like that. Yeah, I would not be interested, but I'm sure people would be. <laughs> yes. Okay, last news story. <laughs> this is the craziest one. We'll save it for last. Of course. Uh, in response to, I'm going to guess, <laughs> KFC's dating simulator game. I think trying it ha- to date the colonel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wendy's has released... A tabletop RPG where you have to fight McDonald's. But it's a little bit more than that because it is a 97-page PDF. Yep. Wendy's tabletop RPG game. And that is just insane (laughs) that this exists. I think it's super cool. And you know what? If I had like a regular D&D group... Mm-hmm. I would 100% jump at the chance to take part of this probably crazy, insane game. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately for me, it's still just a really, because of where I am gaming-wise, it's just a weird publicity stunt. Uh, but I think it really shows where our hobby is now sitting in like the zeitgeist and, and how popular it is with people and it's crazy. What do you what do you think about this? This is absolutely ridiculous, and I think totally in line with the way Wendy's is marketing and positioning itself. The only company that, if you had told me was doing this, that would have made more sense was Arby's. Yeah, yeah, it's like up Arby's alley, <laughs> right? But outside of that, you know, this is a company I see doing this. Them trying to slay McDonald's is hilarious, uh, and I think it's cool because it's a pretty in-depth rule book it looks like it's based on a simplified dnd fifth edition rules so they whoever did this clearly put some time into it and some work and some effort uh, enough so that you know wendy thought it was worth the time so i think it's funny i got to imagine that someone whether it be critical role or someone is going to play this right yeah that would be going awesome. to, you know so, so first page you can tell they even put artwork into this. Yes. Feast of Legends, Player's Guide, The Fight Against Frozen Beef, 
Queen Wendy, first of her name, breaker of fast food chains, defender of all things fresh, never frozen. The clapback queen has been the ruler of Fresh Tovia since 1969 and defends the realm from the treacherous evils of those who practice the dark art of frozen beef. That is the <laughs> opening to the rule book and campaign. <laughs> The realm of beef's keep. <laughs> it's this should be what board of video game starts there. Yeah, this RPG. is pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, this is pretty good. They put in a lot of effort, even if even if they are just modifying a D and D book. There's a lot of, pardon the pun, fresh new art, and you have roast beach. Creeping Vale, French Five Forest, Nation of Freshdown, Twin Cities of Carl, and they have the Carl's Jr. Stars, Lake John Silver, The Box, Temple of Panda. That's mm-hmm. a little racist. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The Deep Freeze and Bottom Bun Mountains. It's like the map is shaped like a hamburger in buns. So the bottom of the map is called Bottom right. Buns Mountain. It's and top on mountains. So <laughs> it's very um it's very interesting. You go through like creating your character, you have role bonuses, you choose your order, uh no dice, no problem. It tells you where to find a dice roller on their own website. Oh nice. Feastoflegends.com. It's just um very in depth and I really appreciate what they're doing as as crazy as it is four gold gets you a pigtail wig <laughs> you can buy a pigtail <laughs> wig or a guitar <laughs> oh man yeah there's so many things you can have a specialty item lemonade strawberry lemonade or chicken nugget <laughs> okay a chicken nugget costs five gold and it heals one d4 of hp <laughs> it's crispy chicken armor Oven plating, bacon armor, biggie armor. There's so much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I really encourage people to check out feastoflegends.com just to, just to see what they have done. The Order of the Chicken. That is a order you can join. <laughs> My goodness. You just you have the order of the chicken nuggets. You gotta check it out. The order of the beef. The it goes on and on. I could just right. read read this for my own amusement. So All there's right. a free RPG out there for anyone who doesn't take tabletop RPGing too seriously. That's right. And it sounds like it might be an excellent one to play. All right, transitioning a little bit to some video game news. I could have a few Maybe a little more unusual stories here. We'll see how this goes. First story, Josh, and we'll see how much you care about this. My guess might be not at all. <laughs> but co-founder Rick Fox has filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against his Echo Fox partners. Now, if you're not familiar with Rick Fox, he's a former professional NBA basketball player. Celtics. Who'd, uh, Cel- yep, played for the Celtics, Celtics and, and the Lakers, <laughs> if I recall. Not a yeah. huge NBA person, but I think that's right. Yes. Uh, has done some acting and things like that. And in 2015, I think, or a few years ago, he decided he wanted to get into esports, and he acquired um, a League of Legends team, Gravity Gaming, 
from the North American League of Legends Championship Series, if I recall, and they rebranded to Echo Fox. Um, and then that game, they have expanded. I think they sponsored some Street Fighter folks and maybe some other fighting game folks. But Rick Fox has kind of been the face of Echo Fox this whole time. Earlier this year, Rick Fox threatened to leave, and this is now a little bit from Wikipedia, just so you know where this stuff is coming from. Uh, Rick Fox threatened to leave esports after accusing a, quote, shareholder of making racist comments against him and Echo Fox CEO Jace Hall, as well as threatening Fox's family. So that was kind of the first rumblings that there was going to be a big issue. When that happened, uh, Riot Games, who is the folks who make League of, Le- make League of Legends, uh, pressured Echo Fox into selling their League of Legends franchise, which they did uh, to Evil Geniuses for $33 million. And I know some people were really stoked to see Evil Geniuses back. But now Rick Fox has filed lawsuit against his partners, um, saying that... Um, oh, now I'm misplacing where I was going with this. But he said, quote, I am calling on regulators and law enforcement to immediately look into Amit Razida and his illegal deceptive business practices. I want to make sure I'm the last victim. Fox said in a press release, that's all thanks to Gamasutra. Okay, Josh. Esports. Yes. They're they're a thing. Mm -hmm. Seem to be pretty popular. I often wonder if we make them out to be more popular than they are. I don't know all the time. Um, but you see, you know, selling their franchise for $33 million. That's a big deal. That's a lot of money. What do you think about all of this? Is this one of those situations where, you know, gamers are not being open to Rick Fox? Is this something that was just between him and his partners? How do you kind of feel this about this whole situation, the reflection on esports, the reflection on gaming in general, when you've heard about this? Uh, I think that esports is getting big, and Mm -hmm. as something gets bigger, things like this are going to happen. Right. And you you can't go a year without hearing about something crazy happening in the NBA or the NFL. So I don't think this is any different. It's just, unfortunately, it sounds like, um, something that happened to Rick Fox that, you know, he doesn't think was fair, Mm -hmm. and... And maybe, you know, it's only one side of the story, but like, you know, when someone is part of a business that is doing as well as esports is potentially doing, there's always going to be someone looking to take advantage of that for their own personal gain. And it sounds like maybe this is just Rick Fox um, and his co-founder were victims of this person. So uh, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. Maybe, you know, who knows? other side of the story but right um it's just when you put 33 million dollars involved with anything something uh weird or bad is it is not surprising to have happened from it yeah it's interesting because i think of you know activision with the overwatch league and the call of duty league which is starting i think next year um and i think about you know for call of duty minnesota has a team Uh, or Minneapolis has a team and it's owned by the Wilf family who owns the Minnesota Vikings is the people who are, who own the call of duty franchise. And, you know, rumors are that buy-ins just to buy a team were 20 to $30 million just, just to have the team. And now you still have to 
pay a staff and pay the players and like set up an arena and do all of these things. Is there any way these teams are making back their money? Like that's, you know, I think about the fact of like Overwatch League. Yeah. 20, 30 million dollars for a buy-in, right? I watched every single game on Twitch or when I watched it, I watched on Twitch. I did spend $15 on the league viewer. Yeah. So I spent $15 one time. How in the world are these places making their money? It's all advertising. Is it that? Is advertising? Am I that out of touch with how much advertising yes. generates? <laughs> yes. Because my goodness. <laughs> look at YouTube. I mean, I know I watched a Just whole lot of Toyota commercials. Look how much money YouTube makes. Not only not only how much money YouTube makes, but how much they make and can also pay all of these millions of content producers just through advertising right i I still don't understand the finer points of like how they're making their money but i do know that where they're making their money is through advertisement Uh, obviously that's a whole different level for esports right um but it's a thing like and People are these people are getting stadiums in towns and cities. Mm-hmm. They are. You would have never thought what like Boston's building one. Like a lot of places are building these esports centers, and you, colleges are starting courses on them. Mm-hmm. But it all comes down to advertisement, and that's no different than any other professional sport. And I don't know how how they take a Wendy's commercial and turn that into dollars. I still I don't know that aspect of it. But they do. Right. Well, I'm, I guess I'm hungry you... for a Wendy's hamburger right now, and all we did was talk about an RPG. <laughs> That's true. I guess you know when I think about the Overwatch League, most of the teams or all the teams are sponsored by someone. You know, uh, Dallas Fuel had a Jack in the Box logo on their you know shirts that they wear on yeah. their you know uniform, and I guess that's true. And there literally were Toyota commercials. Every break, just about, and Coca Cola is the official sponsor of you know. So, I'm sure they're paying money, but man, that seems like that mo- like that money. I feel like a lot of that, you know, the Coca Cola, the Toyota, all of that. That's going to Activision, though, right? That's not going to because that's going to the league, not to the teams. Unless, well, unless they, get, they have some some sort of collective bargaining or revenue share yeah. or something like that. I don't imagine those players make a lot of money. Well. Uh, in Overwatch League, I think the minimum salary was sixty thousand. For real, per I player. Think, per player, I think oh fifty boy. is fifty. Is fi- it was fifty or sixty was the minimum salary. Now, many of the players get far more than the minimum salary, but most of them also provide housing, healthcare. Like I think they have to provide healthcare. Okay. Um, you know, so that's like double what not- I thought it was. <laughs> You know, it's not like they're making no dollars. Well, if you think about it, you have players like Seagull, who is making thousands of dollars a month being a streamer, who then they were trying to get into the league, or DeFran, or someone like that. So I think maybe for, and I could be wrong, because I I don't see Call of Duty as being a highly streamed game as far as the number of people who watch it. So maybe for those people who are turning pro, it's a little more lucrative, but, you know... If even if you look at like Fortnite, like the Fortnite pro am stuff works because they have no obligations to teams for yeah. Fortnite for the most part. You know they might be signed up with a team, but it's not a lot of obligations that they put on them. Whereas you know Overwatch, it's pretty strict. So it's interesting though, and I feel like a lot of these organizations are kind of going Call of Duty and Overwatch or League of Legend, Dota, all of that side. There, you don't see a ton of crossover between 
those two types of games and the teams that support those things. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I guess good luck and hopefully you made justice be done. I don't really know what happened, but always it just feels bad when somebody's like, hey, you have to sell your thing for $30 million. Well, maybe I wouldn't be too sad if I had to sell something for $30 million. <laughs> I, I think I'd be okay with it. Yeah, it stinks that if that happened, though, because my guess is that after an internal investigation, Riot must have found enough, a high enough likelihood that something bad happened to be like, hey, you have to sell your team. You know, like yeah. I mean, Riot has a bad enough track record as it is, though. So I'm not really sure who I would side with on that one. Uh, I guess that's true. <laughs> All right. In other legal news, because why not? From our friends over at Kama Sutra, Randy Pitchford and the ex Gearbox General Counsel have agreed to settle their legal dispute. So, as you may remember, there's been a huge back and forth between Randy Pitchford and Wade Callender, um, who had gone back and forth about breaches of contracts and fraud and breaches of fiduciary duty, which is always a fun thing to say. (laughs) And, you know, lots, you know, Randy Pitchford saying that, you know, Wade was not representing the organization correctly. And the Wade saying that Randy Pitchford was pocketing $12 million bonuses (laughs) that were supposed to go to the studio. I mean, lots of just ridiculous accusations. This is, I think where the, um, the idea of that famous jump drive being left at yeah um, <laughs> that medieval restaurant. Why can't you mean, think what it's called? You mean infamous jump drive? Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. Um, so that came back during this because he had even talked about that prior to this. But anyway, it seems like they have agreed and gone their separate ways and kind of worked things out. So, Josh, is this a bit of? Good news for Gearbox, who has seemed to have a lot of not great news as time has gone on. Did you see all the stuff about Troy Baker recently? Yeah, yeah, I, I did, and I'm really curious uh, who who re- who who settled in this dispute. That what who like who gave away? Was it Randy or was it Wade? Who who was like, I'll take your money. Like, <laughs> I'm curious because just the implications alone. I would say this. Randy Pitchford is his own worst enemy, and he has been for the past year. Right. Um, the Troy Baker stuff that came out, uh, I don't see a guilty party on, on either side because if you look at both sides, like I get where Troy Baker's coming from as a union employee. I understand his side, um, but then I also understand Gearbox's side where they said, "We've this is how we've always done things. We've already said this is how we would compensate you and we pay each other. We pay everyone um, competitively. We also offer health insurance, but also someone being in the union. I, I also understand why unions exist. So I'm not saying I side with gearbox, but I get their stance. Like some, the CEO of gearbox is making a decision to stand against unions. Okay. They can treat their employees however they want. So, he said that Troy Baker turned the role down. That is about as close to not lying as you can get to lying. Right. Like, Troy Baker's like, I'll totally do it. Here's my contract. Oh, you won't do it. Well, you didn't sign the contract, so I guess in some ways, without you signing that contract, I'm saying no. But... Really yeah. just being like, oh, he turned it down? What's well, the Is not what happened. Right. He doesn't want to come out and say, I'm anti-union. Number two. 
in that statement that they released about paying their workers yeah. fairly and yada yada yada. Do you do you remember the last line of that statement? No, I don't. <laughs> they said, "Hey, we've always prided ourselves in working and, and growing like homegrown talent, and we're really excited oh, to yes. see how successful Troy Baker has been since since working he worked with us. us." Yeah, I do remember. Are that. you kidding me? <laughs> that was a nice little jab. It's like we made him famous, right? And, and he won't come back to us, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it sounds like well, you're right, and you you saying that reminds me of something else, where they said like Randy Pitchford was like, well, if he doesn't want to come back, no one's really gonna notice that it wasn't him because <laughs> he's he's gonna sound so similar. <laughs> right? Yeah. Without it isn't the game, it wouldn't. It doesn't matter. You'll see when we sure because you know. like playing Destiny, I totally didn't notice the difference between Peter Dinklage and Nolan North. They sound they sounded the totally that, the same. Yeah, or the fact that Claptrap sounds totally different in this game. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's a little messy. Uh, you know, it, it just stinks. No matter yeah. what way you slice it, it stinks. And I really wish that. Whatever's happening at Gearbox, they could just figure it out and take care of it. Do you think it's nice to work there? No. Like, do you think that all uh, of this stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of this stuff is just their PR, their marketing, and the people at the top kind of not projecting amazingly into public, but actually the day to day there is really good. Here's what I'll say. And that. I have a little inside information on this. Just a little. Okay. Bit. So, when I. So, PAX. East, when I went up there and I met Randy and I got on the yep. stage, um, their community manager, Jeff Skull, uh, he's the one who picked me out of the crowd. Mm-hmm. And we stayed in contact because I won like a Razor gift certificate. So we kept emailing each other back and forth. And then I kind of, because I was with PSVG at this point, started a relationship with him and i got us some um review codes way back when mm-hmm. for duke nukem forever and yep battleborn i remember that yeah and he was super nice and then i reached back out to him like a year later and he was still super nice and he still works there and there's some other people like on twitter like joe king who's a very passionate gearbox employee and they always post like gearbox is hiring when someone lets um people go so i do think that these people enjoy their time there. However, I would agree that they don't give off the impression that it's fun to work for Gearbox. Okay. I would say that for sure. Um, okay. But that might just be on the talent level. Yeah, that could um, be. But but at least from talking with Jeff and, and Joe, at least in Joe on Twitter, um, how nice they have been, I've never gotten mm-hmm. the impression that they don't enjoy their job. Right. Uh, so yeah, in reference to the lawsuit, then though, again, obviously we'll never know because both sides, both sides signed confidentiality sure. agreements. Yeah. So we don't know what's going to happen. I would guess though that gearbox settled. Actually, I'm going to guess it might be the other way. Really? Because well, let me double check. I want to make sure. I apologize for the clacking if you hear it. Click clack. Flux to post. Flux to post. Because do you know? Where Wade Callender is now employed and who he is now representing as a lawyer. Oh, sorry. I, I owe a bad impression. Uh, I, I don't know, Jason. Where do you think that they are now? He was hired at the beginning of September by the NRA. Cody, stop it. 
aware now? <laughs> so yeah, so he's uh, working for the NRA now. So my guess would be I don't like him he, already. <laughs> so my 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 guess would be he had some um potential professional reasons why not being involved in lawsuits would be beneficial <laughs> to him anymore. You would think a game with over a billion guns in the NRA would get along great. <laughs> you would you would think seems like it should. But that and like I said, I don't know that for true for certain about who settled where it just seems really odd to hire an attorney and be like oh yeah by the way i'm suing my former ceo that i worked with so i'm guessing maybe that's where that came from uh can i play borderlands 3 on the pc because i'm not uh, okay i'm interested then (laughs) wow (laughs) man well we're gonna turn to some more happy news uh, that, hey, was Josh, happy. That, that was happy. That was happy. Okay, we'll change to something where we don't have to do an impression, maybe. Then, uh, okay. <laughs> um, so New York City Comic Con uh, yeah. wrapped up here recently, and there was a Marvel Games panel at it. And at that Marvel Games panel, we learned that there is going to be at least a sixth, if not more, playable hero in the upcoming Marvel's Avenger video game. And uh, Ms. Marvel Kamala Khan is that sixth playable hero. Josh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, we saw some gameplay too. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> I think it's great. And uh, the only thing I don't uh, quite get, if you wa- if anyone watched the footage, there's like a time jump where I don't know that Bruce Banner accurately aged in comparison to how Kamala aged. Uh, because she went from like a twelve year old girl to like a twenty five year old girl, and Bruce Banner looks the same. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, I think you guys missed something here. And then there's like a big spoiler in the in the um, footage. Did you see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should I spoil it for our listeners? Or should I, I think that? you. I think you should point it out. Yes, I think. So she's talking to Bruce Banner and um, weird, same age looking Tony Stark. <laughs> Arguably 12 years later. Right. And someone just casually in this trailer for a new character is like, well, Captain America died 12, like however many years ago. You're like, oh my God, you would just put that in the trailer for your game? Like, I understand that certain things may or may not have happened in Marvel movies, but you're trying to get these people into a standalone Avengers game. Uh-huh. And you just casually show you show Captain America in your launch trailer and then <laughs> uh six months later you're like, he's dead. <laughs> Josh, did you how close did you pay attention to that launch trailer? You play as Captain. In the beginning, uh, how does the launch trailer yeah, end? Yeah, you're right. They do talk about <laughs> they do talk about it at the end. You're right, sorry. That's okay. Uh, I've, I I've forgotten like, about it though. <laughs> I was so confused because I was like, "What did I miss that I?" Okay, yeah, I want to know what the spoiler is. <laughs> I did forget about that, but yeah, so okay. it was a kind of a re-spoiler then. <laughs> yes, uh, I just think it's interesting. I- I'm glad they're including her for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, she's a great character, and it's important for Marvel to veer away from just this. You know, the straight white male actors playing all these heroes. Uh, so inclusion is nice. I know there's going to be people on uh, the other side saying, like, why are you forcing diversity in my Marvel? Like, get over it. It's one character. So I think it's right. good to see that happen. Uh, it's right. It's important 
Um, we need to not forget inclusion is important. Um, mm-hmm. and, but not force it. Like, was it a little forced in Endgame? Maybe there was a scene where it was a little forced. <laughs> but I think this is good. Um, and it sounds like she might be the main protagonist in the later portion of the game, which is yeah. also nice to hear. Yeah. So it is interesting. Uh, according to Games Radar, they have a couple of quotes in here that uh, it says, if you've paid attention, Kamala's been there since the beginning. Quote, if you carefully watch our campaigns from January 2017, that's her narrating. That's her oh, voice. Nice. So, yeah, very interestingly enough that this character has been planned to be there since the beginning, it seems. Since even before we knew what the game was going to be, um, Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, has always planned to be there. And she so. has the best character model. The most yeah. l- realistic looking to the character in the comics. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. I think she seems very cool. She seems like she'd be super fun to play. Um, I am definitely excited by this. How many more characters do you think we're going to get? Have they indicated how many more we're going to have? They haven't, um, but it sounds like, at least what Square Enix was saying, this is kind of like the, this customize your own hero kind of gameplay. So I mm-hmm. would imagine we get at least three more like archetypes to choose from as far as like skills go. So maybe like um, um, Hawkeye's daughter, whose, mm-hmm. name I'm, whose name I'm blanking on. Um, and, and probably two more male protagonists as well. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how, because they said also that it's going to be about 12 hours to finish the single player campaign. So I'm trying to figure out how many characters they can possibly squish into this time and for you to get a good feel of them, you know? I'm sure there'll be plenty of cameos. Um, yeah, I am curious if they'll let you play as other characters. I know that the intro lets you get like the main Avengers in. Right. So, are you still excited about this game? You still looking forward to it? I don't know that I've ever been excited or not excited. I'm very mm-hmm. interested to see what this game is. Right. Um, and I don't know that we've... I know that there's been, like, leaked footage of gameplay, and then there's been, mm-hmm. like, some, like, featurettes of gameplay, but I'm I, I'm really just looking forward to seeing, like, a solid gameplay trailer where right. I can kind of get a feel of what the game's going to play like. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, this will definitely be a game that we keep our eyes on. You know, another game that got a release date at that tr- at that panel was uh, the Iron Man VR game for PlayStation. It's coming out February 28th. You know, just in time to play right after you finish The Last of Us. You can go ahead and you get part two, excuse me, you can go ahead and play some Iron <laughs> Man VR. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, speaking of PlayStation... PlayStation boss Jim Ryan has gone on the record with something I think is a little interesting. Um, This is on Games Radar, but this was based off an interview he gave to Wired. Jim Ryan, who's a pretty... If you're super into PlayStation, you're really into PlayStation news and and have been following the company for a while, he's an interesting duck. I don't know that a lot of people, especially in the U.S., are big fans of Jim Ryan. Uh, He ran the European branch of PlayStation for a really long time, uh, now oversees PlayStation as a whole, uh, as the CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. But on the plus side, he did, you know, lead PlayStation back during the PS3 years when things were a rough go at the beginning there to really assert the dominance of the PlayStation in Europe. So he's done some good work there as far as business goes, but he's the guy who talked about like protecting kids and all those weird things uh, when they didn't want to do crossplay. But he said, quote, the track record of the incumbent platform winning the next time around is not a great one. 
So the major thrust of my executive energy is to avoid complacency. <laughs> so that's what he said. And now, you know, with that in mind, some things to keep in mind is that, you know, the crossplay beta that PlayStation was running is now quote unquote over, and any developer who wants to implement crossplay can now do it. They cut the price on PS Now in half, basically. So it's now $9.99 a month instead of the $19.99 a month. Or you can buy an entire year for $60. It has over 800 games as part of the service. PS3 games still need to be streamed, but you can download PS2 and PS4. And they're adding more marquee titles like God of War, Uncharted, uh, 4, Grand Theft Auto V. And in addition to that, Sean Layden, who is head of SIE or chairman of Sony Interactive Studios and the head of SIE Japan, both have quote-unquote retired. Yeah, that's interesting. All all within like the last week to ten days. Yeah. So, Josh, good signs or bad signs for Sony? What does all this mean? I mean, on the face of it, it looks bad, but I don't, I don't think it is. Like, Sony's not struggling. Turnover happens. And you don't hear a lot from Sony. Mm-hmm. That's not like a constant thing. So, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad or good. To be honest, um, and it's one of those things that only time will tell the true like meaning of what's going on. Um, but them cutting the price of PS Now, great move. They have to mm-hmm. stay competitive, and right. And I think what the one thing we've always talked about for PS Now is it's just a little bit pricey. Yep. And they've recently added so you can download instead of stream, which yep. is a positive change. So, I mean. It's good for them. And then, you know, the next thing for them is to start getting uh, exclusive day and date releases like Game Pass. And then they'll be fully 100% competing again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the right move. I don't know. I mean, you're more of the PlayStation guy. Are you worried about anything that's going on? I I was a little surprised when Sean Layden left just because it seemingly was out of the blue. It was just a tweet that announced that he was leaving. Uh, I will say it was on the last day of September that it was tweeted that the message was sent, which would be the last day of a fiscal quarter. Sure. So that kind of, I guess, jives, which is the same time uh, the executive in Japan retired, which was the end of fiscal quarter. You know, there are rumors that there was a pretty, pretty significant power struggle within PlayStation between the, especially the U.S. branch and Sean Layden with Jim Ryan. And Sean Layden, I think, was kind of hoping he would get the role Jim, Jim Ryan now has. Um, but there's still a lot of really great people at um, PlayStation. It does seem we'll see if the decisions they're making are the right decisions. I guess I'm glad they're not going to be complacent. But if you look at the games that were released by Sony Worldwide Studios in the last four or five years, which you know are a lot of you know a little bit of Andrew House and then a lot of Sean Layden, I mean those are some pretty impressive games. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see. There's still great people there. Um, obviously, Shuhei is still there, and I'll be interested to see if someone like maybe a Scott Rohde or someone like that steps up into the limelight and, and takes on a bigger position, because I think that's really what's going to depend for me is who's next. I'm excited to hear that they're not going to be complacent. I just hope the decisions that they make are the right ones. Right. So. All right. And our final news story. Josh. Hi. You know. You were super excited, it seemed, about Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Yeah. Seems like maybe other people have not been super excited about Ghost Recon Breakpoint. 
Uh, we don't talk about, you know, review roundups or anything like that on this show too often. Uh, but since this game, I believe, is, is part of the Metafall contest and is a game we were both pretty big on or, or had pretty high hopes for, I thought it'd be important for us to just kind of check in with how these reviews are going. Uh, currently on Metacritic, Ghost Recon Breakpoint is sitting at a 58. Mm-hmm. And also on Open Critic, a 58. Um, on Open Critic, 17% of critics recommend the game. So, yeah. Is this a sign of this game not being great? Or are we getting to the end of time? Not time, but are we getting to the end of our... Or are we getting filled up with these open world, sandbox, get as much loot as you can games? Well, here's what it seems to be, unfortunately, mm-hmm. is this game is getting review bombed for some reason. Uh, especially by users. Uh, 232 negative reviews, 71 mm-hmm. positive. People giving it ones and zeros, and mm-hmm. they're complaining about the price of the game, they're complaining about microtransactions in the game, mm-hmm. um, which we've seen before. If you look at the lowest review score from uh, a quote professional reviewer mm-hmm. from that VG247, they have mm-hmm. a 20. Uh, and this is the quote for the review. I really wanted to like Breakpoint. Ubisoft has a habit of making mediocre games, Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs. Now, do you think Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs are mediocre games? But finish that quote, sir. Really? Sh- <laughs> Sorry. Really shine with a sequel, but this is a significant significant setback. I would rather play Anthem. At least traversal doesn't make me want to put my head through a window. This game is about the traversal. This game is about the realism of being an injured soldier, being prone, covering yourself in camo. Like, and you're comparing it to Anthem, a game where you're Iron Man. Like, I I just don't know where the reviews are coming from. I I'm more inclined to look at the the 60s, 65s, and the 70s that you're getting, where it seems like it's more, it's a mediocre game. It's not, it's not, I guess, it doesn't look like it's where people expect their Wildlands to be, mm-hmm. which is fine. I get that. I just, I'm so skeptical these days, and, I, and I'm not saying this because I want this game to be good. I'm really not. In fact, if anything, the reviews have probably turned me away from buying this game right now, at least. Mm-hmm. But there are still plenty of high-scoring reviews for this game. So I think it comes down to you have to play it. you got to play it. If, you, if you're if you interested in the game, maybe you don't buy it. I get that. That's what the betas were partially for, right? Right. Um, but there's there's plenty of, at least for the user scores, there's plenty of good ratings. Compared to the bad ones, not so much. But a lot of the reviews saying there's bugs, full of microtransactions. I don't know. I don't know, Kyle. I I want to like this game, but I don't think I can. I I don't think I can pull the trigger on it, and it makes me bummed that I can't trust the reviews. Yeah, there's a lot more reviews. Honestly, interesting. Well, I guess they shake them out separately on Open Critic than there are on Metacritic. Yeah. There's a lot more reviews there. Um, and you know, 
really, because obviously when you look at the s- score, a lot of four, four and a halfs, and fives is kind of where it comes down. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because I watched... <laughs> do you ever watch anything? Do you watch Jim Pressions or anything from Jim Sterling ever? No. So I don't usually watch Jim Sterling, but I was encouraged to watch his video on uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. So I did. And... <laughs> He obviously has a, a has a way of delivering his message, and he speaks to an audience in, in a very particular way. Uh, but he got himself intoxicated and then recorded his review of it because he said that's the only way he could make himself do have a good time doing this was while it was if he was drunk. <laughs> oh boy! And then went on to go on a tirade about how horrible this game was. Now, the one thing I will say that I, in his tirade, that most of it was nonsense. Not in the sense that it wasn't true from his experience, but he was just drunk and saying things. Uh, the one thing I do think is interesting, though, that he brought up, that I is kind of where I wanted to go with the conversation about this game, is, is it fair, and this happened a little bit with Destiny 2, launch of Shadowkeep as well, is it fair to hold a game that requires you to be online to a high standard if the game constantly disconnects you in the sense of the game is telling you you can only play this game if you're online and now we launch it but our servers are so cruddy you can't connect is there what should our level of patience be in those situations well um i mean that's a good point and like we had that problem with anthem when it came out mm-hmm. if you if you're going to charge a customer 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 and whatever dollars for a product, the expectation is that it works when they get it. So right. yeah, we should 100% hold someone accountable. And if we're at the point where these companies run betas over months and they put out a product that doesn't work when it's released, shame on them. They had plenty of time to prepare and you mm-hmm. know what? And, and maybe they should be penalized with low review scores or or low sales. And maybe right. that should be the point. I didn't realize it was unplayable right now. I didn't realize that mm-hmm. that was what was happening because I've seen so many videos and people streaming it that um, I didn't realize that people were having issues connecting. But if that's the case, yeah, you you can't do that. You can't put out a game that's unplayable. I have I had so many issues with Assassin's Creed Syndicate. That's mm-hmm. uh, Unity. Sorry, Unity. Yep, catch it. Okay. Like, I was looking forward to this game, and it was unplayable for months. Not just because you couldn't connect, but because you couldn't connect, and then there were game-breaking glitches, and then both, and then right. one or the other, depending on the day you tried to play. <laughs> uh, yeah, shame on them. You don't, don't put out games that, like, that are broken. Right. Delay them. Test them more. Do whatever you have to do, but... It's it's saying you don't have respect for your customer base in yeah. a manner of words. Like I'm sure right. they're not putting it out saying we don't respect our customers, but but that's the impression that it gives. Yeah, it is just interesting because I I felt like we had kind of gotten over that hump at the at of games that were had a lot of online features just not working at the beginning. I, I felt like maybe we had cleared a bunch of that hurdle, but it seems as we're coming into the end of the console generation here that we're running into more games with more types of problems again. And I don't know if that's because we're pushing consoles harder and further. I don't know what the deal is, but I feel like we're getting a lot of glitches again that we kind of had at the beginning of the console generation. So that's interesting. 
All right. So you said not going to buy right now. What will, when will you decide to, how, or how will you decide when to play this game? Well, I think unfortunately, um, I don't know that I will buy it at this point because we have so many games to play. Yeah. Um, if, if I start reading, um, updated reviews or review scores, maybe mm-hmm. I'll start looking more into it, but, um, yeah, ultimately I, I don't, I don't know what's going to change me. Like I, I was just talking to coach Mo today in discord about it and he's not having fun with it. And right. And that's just another person, you know, confirming what other people are saying. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I really wish we were in this point where I didn't have to be so cynical about reviews where I could just actually <laughs> trust them. Uh, Cause it's not just ghost recon Breakpoint. I think we saw a little bit of that with borderlands um, and I'm sure we'll see more of it with other games like Call of Duty stands to be a very divisive reviewed game. It does. It really does. I'm very interested to see how that game shakes out from a review standpoint. Yeah. So, all right. Well, hey, we'll move on to our topic of the show, which probably shouldn't take us too, too long. But as we come into October, the end of the year looms. This means the days are getting shorter. The temperatures are getting colder. And we have to start thinking about what 2019 has going to be what it's going to mean for games um we had a question not too long ago and i can't remember who it was from so i apologize just about our backlog and and kind of what we wanted to finish out the year with still and what games we still wanted to play so i thought this was a really good time to look back at what our gaming plans are look back look forward to what our gaming plans are for the rest of the year and maybe look back at what games we still want to ensure we get played uh so all we're going to do is kind of jump in. We'll look a little bit at the release calendar moving forward. So we'll talk about that from a video game perspective. And then we'll talk about both the board games and video games on our backlog that we want to get wrapped up. And then we'll kind of move on from there. So, Josh, the night we record this, we're actually recording, oddly enough, on a Monday night for us. Hmm. But tomorrow, Concrete Genie comes out. And I'm very excited about Concrete Genie. We already own Concrete Genie, so that's pretty cool. Do you have any desire to play this game? Are you going to play it at all? I mean, I'll I'll definitely give it a shot since okay. you bought it and we share. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot. I, the the E three stuff really, uh, or the place no, the PS State of Play or whatever. Mm-hmm. What did we see last State of Play? Wherever we saw it last, it definitely looked interesting to me. Um, right. So I'll take a look at it, but I think it's more in the platformer category based on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to call it or categorize it. I think it's almost more of like an adventure game. Yeah, okay, so more maybe like more of a um, Tim Schafer kind of game. Yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of combat and stuff, but I think there's definitely some weird story and possibly puzzle-solving quirkiness associated. So Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I mean, you're definitely more excited for it um, than I am, but it's just probably for a lack of information from my end. Gotcha. All right, so that's, like I said, and then obviously Ghost Recon Breakpoint also just came out, which we just previously talked about. Um, other kind of bigger games on the horizon here, Trine 4 uh, comes out October 8th along with Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, which apparently is very good. Uh, any interest in either of those games? Have you played any of the Trine games? Uh, I want to say I played Trine 2 or 3 mm-hmm. uh, as a demo, um, but not, not much more than that. Uh, gotcha. it, it interests me. I like I like the um, the gameplay style, and it seems interesting. But I just never got into it. 
gotcha. I think I have Trine 2 on Steam. Okay. Yep. Very cool. And never played the Return, the first ukulele game, but this one looks cool, kind of in the spirit of Donkey Kong Country. So, uh, and overall, the reviews for this one seem to be a bit more po- uh, positive than the previous ukulele game. So that's great. Uh, kind of moving on, Killer Queen Black is coming to Switch in October, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Grid is coming out as well, October 11th, which I know Seth, I'm sure, is very excited to play. Any excitement from either of those for you, sir? Nope. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. Uh, Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville comes out officially October 18th, as well as Return of the Obra Dinn to consoles. Uh, any excitement for either of those two games? Also, no, but I, kn- I do know you like... The Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare. Yeah, I they are fun. I don't know if I'm going to pick this up, but I, I do enjoy the Plants vs. Zombies battle, you know, games. Those are I, I have a good time with those. Uh, I think the next really big title is Call of Duty Modern Warfare on October 25th. Yep. Uh, are you excited about that one? Also, The Outer Worlds is that day. Um, are those either games you're looking at getting into? So, um, yeah, I'm excited to check out the story mode for for modern warfare and kind of see mm-hmm. how how they redefine call of duty is what they right. keep saying um so yeah i definitely am interested in checking that out and you know as much as i feel like outer worlds isn't going to be a game for me mm-hmm. um because it has the more of the fallout uh aspect to it i do still think i'm going to try it okay i, I want to give it a fair shot um, and I believe that's day and date on Game Pass. So I it, believe that is correct. An easy try for me. <laughs> yes, I agree there. So, uh, and I, yeah, I'm kind of both in on those. I do want to try out Outer Worlds. Uh, I probably should finish Gears Five. I don't know. That's my list of games I need to play still this year. Um, but yeah, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I really want to see how that story mode plays out. Uh, Medieval comes out that day as well. But uh, it's funny because Donnie played the demo of it and then deleted it and then canceled his pre-order. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I don't. I really don't understand people's excitement for this game because it wasn't that great. But no, yeah, cool. I played this game and it was bad. <laughs> yeah. So, but hey, you know, everyone has their nostalgia, so that's great. If this is a thing you're excited about, I'm excited for you. Uh, another thing, Luigi's Mansion 3 comes out October 31st mm. on Spooky Halloween Day. Any plans to play Luigi's Mansion 3? I never played the originals, any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, my yawn is not uh, my representation of my excitement for the game, though. Um, I would be interested in playing it. I don't think I plan on buying it. Um, there's there's other games that I'm more interested in playing. Like I would love to play um, DKC Tropical Freeze. I never played that. Mm-hmm. I'd be more interested in like Yoshi's Crafted World or or the, some of the other games before Luigi's Mansion 3, but it's not a game I wouldn't ever play, just not at $60. I don't think so. Right. Yeah, I'm interested in it. I just have uh, multiple other games on the Switch I need to finish first, so I don't know that I'll be getting that day one anymore, though I was looking forward to it. Uh, as we roll into November, I think the first like really big game is Disney Zoom Zoom Festival. Oh, yeah, that's a really big one. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually play a lot of Disney Zoom Zoom on my phone. Uh, but Death Stranding comes out November 8th. Uh, where are you at with this game? I know you're a big Kojima fan. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling about Death Stranding? I, don't st- I still don't know how I'm feeling about it. I'll tell you what, though. <laughs> if it's a lot of carrying boxes and setting ladders down i'm not gonna like this game <laughs> okay there we so go hopefully there's more to it than that all right there we go 
Uh, Need for Speed Heat coming out November 8th as well, which again, I think very much is like a Seth game. Yeah. Uh, are you Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition comes to PC November 14th? Are you an Age of Empires fan? Uh, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I have it on Game Pass. I thought there it was the go. Definitive Edition. This is Age of Empires 2. Oh, oh, oh okay. Definitive cool. Edition yeah, yeah, is yeah. November 14th. Yeah, the, so. I mean, I grew up on those games, that the Age of Empires and um, Command and Conquer, so... Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to check them back out and see how they look remastered. Very cool. Some of the big hitters then at the end of November, uh, Pokemon Shield and Pokemon Sword. Hmm. I like doing them that way instead of Sword and Shield because I think it's funny. Uh, excited about, are you going to play Pokemon? Is this a game you're going to get for the wife? What are you thinking about Pokemon Sword and Shield? Well, I got to tell you what. I wasn't necessarily super excited about it um, until, maybe you know, maybe you know this. Oh, my phone's taking forever to load. I learned about a new Pokemon mm-hmm. that was added to Sword and Shield. Are you talking about the My Little Pony Pokemons? No, I'm talking about Phantom. What? So ever since I learned about Phantom, I have to play Pokemon. Does that, that sound? Is that what I think it sounds like? Phantom? Yeah. Phantom? Apparently, it is a Pokemon. It's a ghost. Uh-huh. It's a ghost type that is uh, the spirit of a dead child. Oh, okay. That's not at all what I thought it was going <laughs> to be, but that sounds kind of interesting so, too, I suppose. Kevin and Lucas were talking about how excited they were to play collecting all these dead children ghosts. And I was like, well, if they're excited, I really have to get on board with Phantom. So thanks PSVG Prime for turning me on to <laughs> Phantom. All right. I. We'll see. I, I've i never really played... Well, never really. I've never at all played a mainline Pokemon game, so we'll see if this will be the first one. I'll, I think it'll depend on how much free time I have for gaming at that point. I'll get it for my wife, because she liked... She played a little bit of Eevee Go, and mm-hmm. she really liked it. Um, so I'll buy it for her for, like, Christmas, and then if it still has that co-op mode like Go did, I'll, I'll probably play with her. Very cool. All right, uh, same day, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, also November 15th. Where yeah. are you, where's your hype for this game? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know where my hype is. I'm going to play this game. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I accurately have my hype placed anywhere. Okay. Um, the more I see, the more I like. That's good. But I'm trying to keep my expectations are very low. <laughs> that's also usually a good thing to do. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. I think, obviously, I'll play it. Uh, and I'm kind of in the same situation you are. I'm not really reading or looking at anything. Well, at least I'm not really or looking or reading anything for it right now. Uh, but I am just kind of keeping my my expectations in check. The more trailers I saw for it, the more interested in the game I became. And I kind of am at that point now where I'm going to play it. So we'll just kind of leave it as is. Uh, and this will probably be the main thing i'm playing at that time of year uh unless maybe i don't know shenmue 3 <laughs> november 19th Sailors. all right <laughs> i think that's all we need to know about that <laughs> moving on uh doom eternal november 22nd any desire to play the new doom can i be honest with you yes you can as always i'd hope no okay that's I'm not fine. interested uh <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's new Doom has is not capturing Doom for me. It's like a mix between Doom and like Quake Arena. It mm-hmm. Moves way too fast. Like Doom three 
was awesome. Slow, scary. Mm-hmm. Like, purposeful, methodical. I really liked that. More like Dead Space, but first person. And, you know, I appreciate the new Dooms for what they are. Very right. impressive games, but it's just, it's not my <laughs> not my Doom. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I was really looking forward to this, but I will say my excitement has dwindled. I feel, it seems like Bethesda needs a win. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, Bethesda's been having some issues as of recently, so I, I would like for them to have some wins. I was, I'm yeah. still a big Bethesda fan, but um, lots of swings and misses for me from them. Because you had Fallout 76, you had Rage 2, you had New uh, Bl- Youngblood. The, the new Wolfenstein game this summer that went over not great. So I feel like it's been a while. And it just feels like Bethesda's been more quiet as of late. I don't hear Pete Hines out there as much talking as he usually does. It just seems like they're really they've kind of pulling back on a lot of things right now. Maybe yeah. that's just my perception. I don't know. Um, and that's about it really for the year, Josh. There's not a lot of other big releases in the video game world. A couple of things here. I know like Donnie's probably really strange or really excited for Life is Strange to episode five which comes out in december but there's really not much else coming out um how are you feeling about fall gaming i know we have a lot that we haven't been playing but do you feel like it's going to finish strong here uh yeah i mean i think with call of duty and star wars and potentially death stranding i still i think we still have a, a few like really big titles to look forward to mm-hmm. uh, so it really could finish pretty strong you know, I don't know that we've ever seen a December with a lot of new releases because people are getting gifts of older games that they want to have time with. So, Oh, yeah, for um, sure. So I think it's nice to have a quiet month for December so you can actually play the games you're getting mm-hmm. and enjoy them. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we'll have a good a good solid end to the year. Yeah, I agree there. Okay, so then we, we just talked about all the games that are still coming out. Yeah. Josh, when you think about your board games and your board game collection... Ugh. What are the board games you would still like to get to the table this year that you think would be important when we talk about end of the year awards and all that stuff? What do you still want to get played? Oh boy, for end of the year awards? Um, Yeah. I really, so I still have, I mean, we're in October, so this is appropriate, but I still have Terrors of London um, and Horrified that I need to play, Mm -hmm. um, both games that I'm looking forward to. I also have Vindication from our friend... Um, William. Yeah, Herkowitz. Herk. Uh, <laughs> you say his name right. I don't. <laughs> William Herkowitz. Herkowitz. Uh, so I really want to play that. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting Hunger Games: Mockingjay to the table. Uh, we just picked up a Game of Thrones Catan, which I really want to play. I mean, I have a lot of games I want to get to the table, but like when you say for the year, like you know, we both know how we feel about years for games and yeah no for sure for as, sure for board games i mean mm-hmm. it's not as like comparable at least in my mind um for that but yeah i mean i have so many board games i still want to get to the table all uh, right hopefully i can get them through so here are the ones i was looking at my collection earlier here are the games that i still want to play before the end of the year machikoro legacy mm-hmm. black angel tapestry wingspan Century Gollum Edition Eastern Mountains, Edge of Darkness, and the Pearlbrook expansion for Everdell. Those are the things that I'm like, I really probably should get these to the table still at some point this year. You only named like the biggest games of the year 
in your well, list of yeah. games you haven't played. No. <laughs> but these are all games that I own that are sitting still in plastic on my shelf that I feel like it's probably important for me to play. Um, yeah, and Machi Koro Legacy I know will happen at the holidays, so that one's not super high on the list because I know uh, we were just waiting until we had four people to play it. Uh, but the rest of them are, are going to be a little bit of a challenge, I think, especially like Edge of Darkness. I think just learning it's going to be uh, a doozy in of itself. So we'll see. But that's kind of where I'm at for board games. Uh, where are you at for video games, sir? What do you still want to try to play before the year is out? Oh, before the year is out? Yeah. Um, I absolutely need... And I was just thinking about this the other day. So I started the last of us but Mm -hmm. i had like some reservations before i started because i need to finish a plague tale i still haven't finished that okay and i really feel like that's going to be one of those games that i could easily put in my top at least 10 games of the year right so i really want to finish that um it's bumming me out that i i'm not making time and that i started the last of us before but (laughs) um yeah, I, I want to get Last of Us finished, hopefully this month. Um, but as far as other games I need to get finished by the end of the year, I'm not sure that I have a need. I want to play Slay the Spire. Still mm-hmm. have that. I'm multiple platforms now. Um, <laughs> I have Creature in the Well that I really want to play. Uh, yeah. Because I've been hearing that's good. Uh, I played a little bit of Bloodstained. I think I decided that it's not necessarily a game I need to play. Okay. Um, I have a download. I haven't started it yet. It's Castlevania. Uh, <laughs> so, at least from what I have currently, mm-hmm. uh, not not including the games that haven't come out yet. Right. Um, those are the only ones I need to finish. I still have to, you know, play uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. That's still in my backlog. Um, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five is still in my backlog. So there's plenty of games I still need to play. Right. Uh, I hear you. But um, I, I'm i not feeling so much the need anymore to finish games, if that makes sense. I feel That's like fine. if it gets its yeah. hooks in me, and Bo- I should mention Borderlands 3. <laughs> Borderlands 3 is a game <laughs> I need to finish this year. Um, but I think I think what's holding me back on Borderlands 3 is not playing with someone else. So um, I'm going to work on that and then... Hopefully I'll play it co-op and then get through it. Gotcha. Yeah, my video game list actually isn't that big. Um, I You know, I have Borderlands 3 and Link's Awakening that are both in progress, so I don't consider those really backloggy things because I'm, I'm working on them. Uh, the games that I need to play that I really am not playing at all right now or probably should play uh, are still <laughs> Devil May Cry 5, mm. Resident Evil 2, uh, Outer Wilds, Gears 5, because I started it but put it down, an astral chain because I own it, but I think the box is still in plastic. Or the game is still in plastic. <laughs> so those are like the five video games that I'm really like, I really probably should get these done um, to have a good rounded list for the end of the year, especially because outer wild got so much hype. I like the previous devil may cry games. Resident evil two is supposed to be good. And I like the early resident evil games and astral chains platinum, which is great. I like platinum and I like the other gears games for gears. <laughs> so these should all be games I want to play. And I do want to play them. I just haven't played them yet. Um, and then obviously kind of like you said, you know, Concrete Genie, Modern Warfare and Death Stranding are the big games that are on my gunner for sure's play yeah. uh, as as the year goes on. But I'm sure I will 
get some other ones in there as well because I think Golem is coming out in November for PSVR now. So we'll see. Maybe they'll actually maybe that game will actually come out and I'll play it. So awesome. So that's kind of you know what we're thinking as our, we round out our year. So if we you know as we start to think about the end of the year, we're also thinking about the end of the year awards for board with video games. So if you have some fun categories you'd like us to include, please let us know. Also, if you have some clever names for what we should call these awards, let us know that too, because that would be great. <laughs> uh, Josh, we have just a couple questions from our listeners, so let's get to those before we call it a night. Let's do it. So, Splig jumps in, well, with two. Uh, I'll start with the first one. Want to play a game? And he puts in the saw gif. Or GIF, mm-hmm. if you're crazy. Uh, pick a game off your co-host's shelf slash backlog, and they have the month to play it. Not necessarily beat it. He did follow up saying, well, we already know Josh started Last of Us, and then he put a cryptic uh, um, reply that spelled out Slay the Spire for Kyle. Uh, uh-huh, in he all did. Ca- in capital letters. Yep. Uh, if I had to pick a game off your shelf, I would pick Wingspan as a game that you need to play before the end of. Did he say the month? month? The month. The yeah. end of the month. End of October. Okay. So I have to play Wingspan. Is a, are you going to name one of those video games too? No, just pick a game. Okay, perfect. Wingspan it is. Um, then, because it is October, and in relation to his other question, I'm going to pick Horrified for you. Okay, cool. So his other question is, uh, given into the horrified hype? Question mark. I'm tempted for the holidays. So yes, I gave into the horrified hype <laughs> a month before the game was even released because <laughs> I had already looked into it. Um, so yeah, I have horrified. I've had it for a month and I haven't gotten to the table yet, but I will do my best to get it played before the end of the month. Excellent. I hope so, because we just committed each other to these things. Right. I mean, I, I didn't play... accept your challenge, but I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm playing Wingspan for the end of the month. You're playing Horrified for the end of the month, supposedly. That's the goal. All right. Well, as always, if you want to be part of the show, just reach to, out to us at BoardWithVG on Twitter or email us, BoardWithVG at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Josh, that sounds like the end of the show for us. Why don't we go ahead and leave our dear listeners with a recommendation for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we are a gaming podcast, but we would just want to recommend something else we're currently into that's helping us live that balanced lifestyle. So, Josh, what is your recommendation for a well-rounded life, sir? Well, it is October, and if you're in PSVG's Discord, you'll know that we're focusing on horror or thrillers or whatever, or suspense for the month, and... um, uh, those are typically movies I'm very fond of and enjoy. And there was a particular movie that I had not seen uh, called Hereditary. And I will admit, when I saw the trailer for it like two years ago or a year ago when it came out, it didn't seem like it was a movie I'd be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ari Aster, who was the director, who also did uh, Midsommar, which I mm-hmm. really want to see, uh, he did this was his first I don't know if this is his first film, but this was his first uh, notable film. Uh, and has Tony Collette, who you might remember as the mom in The Sixth Sense. And she's been in a bunch of other things. She's a very good dramatic actress. Um, um, Gabriel Byrne, who's a very good actor, uh, among other actors are in this movie. 
it's it's it was incredible. Uh, it really blew me away. Yeah, well, I'll I'll definitely get into more depth with uh, Donnie and probably Lucas on PSVG DLC this month. Uh, but it is a movie that has a three act structure like I've never seen before. Uh, arguably, three different types of movies throughout the course of this film. Um, it, it's the first act is a drama. The second act is a ghost story. The third act is, um, I can't spoil it, but it is different than the other two acts. Uh, it's very, um, incredibly well directed. The, the score for the movie is, is phenomenal. It's very, um, intense, it really makes you feel everything that's happening in the film. So uh, I can't recommend it enough. I would even argue that um, if you you might if you might if you're not into horror films, I think you can still watch this as mm-hmm. a suspense um, and still enjoy it greatly. Have you seen this movie? I have seen Hereditary, and I'm not much into horror movies. Sure, uh, I I tend to prefer. I'm cool with feelings of foreboding and and tension. That kind of stuff I like, but I'm not a big fan of quote-unquote horror or gore. Uh, but I think Hereditary is a, a very good movie um, and one that is easy to recommend. You're right. It, it, it's I think it still works, even if you're just into suspense. Yeah. I think you'll be okay. Um, yeah, there's nothing like truly uh, horror-defining in it, I don't think. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely a great movie. And it is interesting because, yeah, he has directed – he did only shorts before Hereditary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now has that in Midsummer, which, you know, are two, at really at this point, horror classics. Yeah. Uh, really, first two full-length features. P- pretty good start <laughs> to a career. All right. So that's Hereditary. Uh, is it, do you know, is it streaming anywhere? Uh, yeah, I watched it on, oh, shoot, what did I watch it on? Ooh, it might have been Amazon Prime. Gotcha. Okay. Is that one of them things? Yeah, Amazon Prime. It was on Amazon Prime. Cool. Uh, my recommendation, of course, is going to be a documentary, but a docu-series. Uh, season 2 of Rotten is now out, and I might have talked about this before. I don't even remember if I talked about Season 1, but Rotten is basically a docu-series where they look at um, some aspect of the food industry and maybe the things you don't know about it. Uh, season 2 has some pretty interesting concepts. The first uh, uh, episode is about avocados, um, and it just is about... You know, you're like a hour documentary about an avocado. Yes, but it talks about <laughs> kind of the history of the avocado, where they came from, how they grew in popularity, um, and the ramifications for their now current popularity, and even like how they were able to get as popular as they were, like the politics behind it, and all those interesting things. So that's the cool thing about this show is it really takes you and goes in depth on every aspect and every different way to look at uh, the food different. Uh, usually different specific items within the food industry. Uh, and the last episode of the series, which I haven't gotten to yet, uh, the last one is about edibles, actually. So I'm oh. very interested to get to that and see what they have to say. So, uh, yeah, it's a really good show. It's really well done. Um, and like I said, if you want to learn about how complicated simple things like avocados can can make <laughs> the world, because um, we're talking about cartels and, yeah, it gets it gets pretty intense. So... 
Uh, check out Rotten Season 2. Season 1 was great as well, but Season 2 now on Netflix. Uh, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? I think that's a great idea. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at BoardWithVG, you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoardWithVG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, if you're just not feeling social media, which I don't blame you, uh, feel free to email us over at BoardWithVGE at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag BoardWithVGE, and so should you. We'd love to see what you guys are up to. So share those games and life and whatever's got you going. Whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board of Video Games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S I R R I U S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.